Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Oscar Piastri is a Formula One race winner. Max Verstappen finished second to be crowned a triple world champion in the sprint today. It was short but full of action. Three safety cars, Verstappen effectively winning the title, mathematically at least, when Perez crashed out. I feel for Oscar Piastri getting his first win in the shadow of a world champion moment, but we will get on to him shortly. Joined today by our chief editor, Kevin Turner, and someone who's been at so many of those races in the paddock this year uh, to see Verstappen in action. And that is our man, Philip Clearan. Kev, we'll start with you. Welcome to the podcast. That was, well, a, a heck of a season. Well, we know it was, it, was, it was so inevitable, but with six races to go, how much is today just a chance to sort of sit back and reflect a little bit on the history that we're watching happen in front of our eyes? Yeah, it's exactly that, isn't it? You know, I almost got fed up with the run-up to the race of going, oh, you know, this, that and the other, the season, the records. Yes, we know, we were there, we've seen it all. But, it, yeah, it's it's the inevitable, isn't it? So it's, it's kind of nice that it's done. I do feel, this will surprise you, Martin, but I do feel slightly sorry for Max Verstappen because of his three world titles. His first one was clinched amid controversy over race control. His second one was clinched because no one was quite sure whether Leclerc had a penalty or not at Suzuka and they couldn't add up. And his third one's clinched by finishing second, one of his few second places in a sprint race on a Saturday. But I'm sure he won't really care about any of that. So, yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable achievement, isn't it? How much do you have to devote the magazine now next week to looking back or do you wait to the end of the season for that? <laughs> I think it depends what happens tomorrow, honestly. For example, if Lando or Oscar got their first Grand Prix wins, that makes it quite awkward to know what to do on the cover. But otherwise, it'll be otherwise it'll be a Verstappen champion one. Yeah, we've done some of the historic stuff we've gone along. You know, we celebrated Red Bull 100 wins. We'll stick to kind of the, the, the main reporting and analysis of the events of the weekend and then save some of the stuff for later in the year where we've got, you know, the F1 season review, Christmas double issue, top 50. Who will be the number one in our top 50 drives of the season? Uh, not not a particularly imagine. difficult one this year. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that, that's all to come, really. 
Philip, you've been at many of those races in the paddock reporting for us over the course of the season. You've watched this history in action. It happened in a sprint race where far fewer people watch it. Uh, in a way, it actually gives the team a whole weekend to wear those celebratory T-shirts and to sort of bask in that glory. But Max would have wanted to win and do it in style, wouldn't he, if we know anything about him? Well, if you've already won so many races this season, then of course he would have liked to do it uh, with another one. Um, possibly in a different country where celebrating is slightly easier to do. But I, yeah, as you said, I don't think he'll care that much. He's, you know, it's, he's got it over the line. It was always going to happen. Is it annoying that it's in a sprint? Maybe. Maybe it's also a bit fitting, given that, you know, how the title battle never really happened. Well, I mean, isn't it fitting that it was actually clinched as as, as Perez sat in yeah. the gravel trap, really? I mean, actually, I don't think it was entirely his fault. We'll probably get onto that a bit later on. But it was sort of, with the way the season's gone and the complete lack of opposition to Max, he didn't actually even need to finish in the sixth place to get the three points, did he, in the end? No, it was really a very fitting conclusion, if you think about it. Um, and it's not like it was a title battle until the last race or last couple of races where we still had some sort of anticipation we knew it was going to happen in, in Qatar, uh, however many races from the end, I suppose five. So it really doesn't matter whether it's in the sprint or in or on Sunday. And Kev, I guess we have to mention it's the 25th cumulative drivers, teams, championship of various flavours for Adrian Newey. Now, it's obviously a massive team of thousands of people working at Red Bull, but still, not only, not only is he leading that team, uh, is a crucial cog in that Red Bull success since they uh, took over the team. Uh, a huge achievement. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? We, we really should give the whole of Red Bull credit, Max Verstappen, and you know, even their pit stops are mega, aren't they? Like every, yeah. They have got everything covered, really. Um, but yeah, as you say, also, that's just absolutely remarkable, isn't it? You know, he's, you could say Adrian New is one more world titles than anyone else, really, <laughs> couldn't you? I mean, it'll be well ahead of, I would imagine, off the top of my head, who the other ones be? Uh, Ross Braun, Colin Chapman, those, uh, yeah, he's going to be well ahead because he's done it with three, <laughs> three different teams as well. Uh, which is, yeah, it's truly, truly remarkable. Um, I think I said before, you know, when there was all those rumours about Ferrari throwing money around to get Lewis Hamilton, I would basically, as I said before, offer Adrian New Italy to never design an F1 car for Red Bull ever again. But uh, <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. He really has the world at his feet. Well, I was speaking to someone who's quite senior at one of his former teams uh, not that long ago, <laughs> who basically said... Yes, he's awkward, but you just give him what you want. You should just give him what you want, and that's actually what Christian Horner and Red Bull have done. You know, he's kept, you know, he was he was at Williams. He didn't get what he wanted there. He was at McLaren. He didn't get what he wanted there. Uh, and Red Bull have looked after him for oh, I don't know when he joined, but it's got to be getting on for well, certainly more than fifteen years, isn't it? So, mm. uh, yeah, fair play to, to to Red Bull for managing uh, managing that. And he was one of the first big hires, wasn't he? He came very early doors. Phil, let's talk a little bit about today's sprint race and how Max Verstappen won his third world championship without winning uh and it, particularly let's i mean he came through the field yeah sure he had a, a you know bad start on some tires that uh, that weren't quite sticky enough off the line but you know with four or five laps to go i thought oh okay so he'll cruise up behind piastri use that insane drs and win and he didn't he didn't close down the gap he said after the the sprint today uh, I wasn't thinking about the world championship. I was thinking about how to win. Was he? I mean, I don't know enough. You you cover these things in huge in-depth uh, week in, week out for us. But was he trying to win today or could he not catch the McLaren? Are they genuinely that quick? 
Yeah, of course he was trying to win. He's, he's Max Verstappen. He always wants to win. He's, he'll never settle for second, especially because he saw Perez retire from the race. So there's no reason for him to you know, conserve his points or whatever. Not that there was before the, the start of the race anyway. But he was absolutely trying to catch him. But the McLaren is just extremely quick, which um, is probably on the, their favorite circuit, really. It's pretty much all high speed, high downforce. Um, just aero efficiency is not as much as, as an issue. There's no real slow corners that they don't like. So this was a perfect McLaren circuit. And absolutely, just on pace, Piastri and Norris were very quick. And once you have that track position in Piastri's case, and you're on the right tire, he was on the mediums, which is the tire you should have been on. And then it was always going to be difficult for anybody to catch him. And I think by the time Verstappen did get into second, it was already probably too late to really catch him because he wasn't that much quicker, really. I, I agree with everything Phil said, except I would say, Martin, that halfway through the race, I scrawled Verstappen, Piastri, Norris as my podium. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, was, I, I, I anticipated, because he passed everyone else so easily. No, he just cruised past him in a straight line. We saw actually quite a few good overtaking moves in that race. You know, there were several outside. Ocon's move on Alonso was was mega. L- Lando did a couple of moves around the outside as well. Um, but Max didn't have to do that. He just cruised up behind in the last corner and just drove past. So he thought, oh, God, this is going to be, you know, he's just going to cruise up behind Piastri. But as as Phil said, you know, the McLaren's really quick. I've been quite impressed with their development rate anyway, actually. Um, I know that this track particularly suits them, but I think that they've genuinely had some development going in the right direction you think where Aston Martin have dropped to Mercedes and Ferrari's a bit up and down you know McLaren look like they're genuinely good and they've got two really mega drivers but the RB19 is so good you would understand why I would say you know when he's two seconds behind a rookie and it's Max Verstappen and there's four or five laps to go yeah but you see now we're on I don't like to be mean to you Martin because I think you're a great bloke but two or three <laughs> pod graces ago you did say oh well Piastri's one of those rookies that's quite good but not mega fast yeah I'm guessing you probably might amend that slightly yeah but, he, but like Max Verstappen isn't god right a car can only go as quickly as it can go around the track we've said this before he's just very very good at getting to 99 point nine percent or whatever and but Piastri was doing that in the McLaren today and the McLaren was good enough that Max couldn't get to him I I completely agree with Phil I don't you know at that point Max Verstappen doesn't care whether he can't I mean he would care if he cartwheeled down the main straight into a huge enormous accident but he doesn't care whether he finishes second or sixth or whatever he just wants to win so yeah I I think he was you know was the engine turned up you can imagine the Red Bull technicians going yeah I'll put it on this setting so he might might not have had all the all the yeah you know all the beans in there but I think he was yeah he was pushing on forget we had three safety cars so he didn't really have all that much time to make up from his his poor first lap i think piastri's driven within himself at times this year i think he's done a sensible solid rookie season but you're right kev i'm revising that he today he was just brutally quick well he's um, he, he's we've seen haven't we in recent races that he can match or even pit lando in qualifying but what he hasn't been able to do is manage like suzuka norris has absolutely you know, obliterated him along across the longer runs and he did a really great job on that today. We don't know what Norris would have done had he not had his terrible start and then he's terrible leaving the door open for Max to go, oh, thanks very much. That's a position I wasn't expecting. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, Lando did say he's made too many mistakes this week, uh, this weekend. Uh, and I think that's probably fair. He'll be quite critical of himself. But, uh, yeah, so he didn't really get that final test with Piastri. But, I mean, yeah, Verstappen coming up behind you, two seconds behind. You've never won an F1 race before. 
Uh, yeah, fair play to him. Oh, but I think he's mega. I think he's going to be winning Grand Prix and fighting for championships with you know Russell, Norris, Leclerc, and Verstappen and Co for for years to come. Yeah, it's possible he could have defended a little more robustly when Russell came past him today, but he knew he was on a different tyre. Uh, yeah, he went a little bit deep there. Uh, well, George didn't give him much choice, did he? No, it was he a massive really. old lunge. I mean, it was. I mean, my point as well on Piastri, and I think all of the, the rookies that come into Formula One now is that there's there's not that free son of excitement that you would get uh, when a new driver comes in that you think, oh, you know, what are they going to do now? Um, because they're just all so brilliant when they enter Formula One now. There's yeah, no they don't. Kind of... They don't throw the boonies very often, do they? No, no, well, no, apart but... from Sinoda. But, I mean, he's not really a rookie anymore. <laughs> no, uh, and also I love that he gets so angry on the radio still and yeah. he's been told to calm it down. I love it. And it's he's not he's not self-censoring. I love it. Um, Kev, how does Verstappen approach the next six races and the rest of this season? Uh, he's going to want to win them all, isn't he? I don't think we're going to see any drop-off in, in performance um, because I, you almost get the... Obviously, he's motivated by the championship, but I think he just, you know, he just wants to win races. He's got the car to do it. I can't see there being any any drop-off. I'd be absolutely amazed if he suddenly starts qualifying, you know, fifth and sixth and behind Perez and cruising around. I just don't think that's in his that's in his makeup at all. Phil, do you think we'll see any change in Max, uh, our colleagues who covered him over the years, so that they, they witnessed that change from, you know, winning one world championship the next year? He didn't make as many 50-50s. Then he got his second championship. I noticed more of a more of a relaxed Max at times. Do you think now he's got three? When you're sitting in press conferences with him and asking him questions, or you're in the pen or whatever, you're going to see any kind of different evolution of Max Verstappen as he as he, as he marches on. Well, you could argue that he doesn't make any desperate moves because his car is half a second a lap quicker, so he's always on pole. But uh, yeah, you do have a point. It, it does slightly change. He's he's a human being like the rest of us. He matures. He learns from mistakes and no, he doesn't make any pretty much. Um, so there's definitely some of that. Um, otherwise I would say he's just, this is just the perfect form of Max Verstappen as an F1 driver. I think this is, um, you know, really up there with the grace, the way he's just in control at all times in the rain, whatever is thrown at him. He's always extremely calm and collected and just doesn't, buckle at all it's really impressive to see yeah yeah the only the only time we're going to find out any more about max Verstappen now is either if he ends up with another ace as a teammate because he hasn't really had that uh unlike some of the you know some of the other people that we could do when we do a podcast on you know where does max slot into the all-time greats you know he hasn't had a stronger teammate to so some of the others on that list uh, and also what happens when he finds himself in a close championship fight again like he did in 2021 does he does he suddenly find himself parking on top of mercedes again or is he actually a bit more like he was at the start of 2022 against you know leclerc you know we don't know that yet and hopefully we'll get to see it and actually i suspect max would like to see it as well because uh, i'm sure he does like racing really uh, what do you think of the story from Alex Albon, who said that Lando Norris has an offer of a contract to be the second driver at uh, Red Bull? He's a different proposition to having you know, Albon or Perez uh, in that seat. I think it'll be hugely interesting if that does happen, whether that's in 2025 or 2026. Um, uh, it's mainly, a, a, I suppose, a gamble for, for Norris in a way, because do you back McLaren to to fight Red Bull all the way, or do you have to be in the Red Bull alongside Max to, to challenge him? Um, but you have to be hugely confident about your ability to, to be Max's teammate. We've seen so many drivers crash and burn 
uh, Gasly, Ocon, now Perez. It's it's the hardest seat in F1, I'd say. And yeah, you only go there if you're absolutely convinced that you can beat Max because um, clearly Lando doesn't have to do it for, for the money or for anything else. He can just be a McLaren for as long as he wants. And obviously McLaren have made great progress. Now for Rebel, it's also a bit of a gamble, right? Because you you don't really want another number one there or aspiring number one, which Lando will be. He won't settle for a number two role. So do you want to bring in somebody of that caliber? It's clearly, you know, not really working with Perez, even though, you know, just still winning almost every race. But if there is bigger competition, then you'll need a better driver in the second seat that will consistently put the car where it serves to be. So it's kind of, they need a, a number one and a half driver. Hmm. And it's hard to see who that would be in the long term and who will accept it. I wonder if it's a sore point for Christian Horner. He had a line he was using all weekend, uh, which is we've won the Constructors' Championship and we have the number one and two drivers defending Perez. That might just be a sore point because they've never ne- never done a one and two in their World Championship years. So it could just be, hope you know, willing the universe for that to finally happen. Let's talk Oscar Piastri, a win in a rookie season. No fluke this weekend. He's been genuinely quick. He had pole. He didn't need bad luck to win. He might have needed a safety car or two, Kevin, but that was good from Oscar Piastri today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think he did the job. Yeah, the, the question mark really was the making the tyres last. Uh, obviously, he was on the right tyre, as Phil said. You know, I think it was clear that the medium was the right tyre to be on and would have been more so had it not been for the safety cars that kind of helped out the soft runners a bit, uh, yeah, several times. Um, but yeah, I mean that yeah, the pace at the end—you didn't make a mistake. He never looked like for. I mean, he's he's just the real deal, you know. He's he's a rookie, but you know, he's he's one of those that it's like like you know Leclerc and Russell and Norris—they've just nailed championships. Yeah, you know, he's won. He, he's come in as a rookie and he's won the championship. Bang, next one F three, bang F two. You know, he got to F one almost too fast, didn't he? Because he didn't. He got there before the plan and didn't have a seat, so he had to wait yeah. for a year before he he got himself in. So. Uh, yeah, proper driver. I'm I'm not hugely surprised, other than I am a little bit surprised that the McLaren was quick enough for him to actually stay out ahead when Max got in second. Phil, did he need the safety cars to win today? Could he have won? It's an unfair question, I know, because it's at the unknown, isn't it? But uh, but could he have won without those three safety cars to just control things and keep Max behind Russell for just those crucial laps? They were wiping up the uh, the Perez. Hulkenberg, Ocon incident. Could he have won without those safety cars? I think it would have been difficult. We were asking why didn't Max win the race? I think the safety cars did play a role because, you know, Piastri said it himself after the race, of safety cars were my best friend today. And it's probably true because, you know, Max never really had the, the time to, to, to close the gap in the end. And, yeah. I think uh, on certainly on tire management, you know, this was a hugely punishing track, a hugely punishing race stint. Definitely, the Rebel would have been a lot better on the mediums than the McLaren in the end. So we've not really seen that tire offset in terms of how well the cars handle them. So definitely, I think Oscar, um, as we said before, his race management, his tire management is still a work in progress. We've seen that in Japan where Lando Norris was a lot better than him. We've not really seen that yet this weekend because he, 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 you know, he was helped a bit by the safety cars. So we'll see in the race whether he's made progress there as well. 
Kev, what does this do to, to, to the team dynamic of McLaren? Norris has seen off great drivers with a smile on his face. I'm sure he's he's a tough competitor, though. He's seen off Sainz and Ricardo, And now rookies come in and beaten him to that first win for Lando. He's moulded McLaren around him. He's committed his long-term future. But all of a sudden, his teammates beaten him to that first win. Does this change the dynamic at McLaren? I don't think it will do yet. I mean, I think Lando then Lando knows that Oscar's proper. You know, he 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 will know that already. Um he also knows that he made errors today and yesterday and that if he gets it all together he can beat Oscar. You know, we've we've just said about the, the yeah, he, he's still the better Grand Prix driver at this point. He still it still makes sense for him to be the McLaren number one. Obviously as Oscar gets better and if Lando yeah, if they keep them together, then that that you know, that will become a a, a battle. So I think it's got the potential uh, to go that way. But at the moment, I don't think, you know, I, I think they're working towards trying to make sure they can be fighting for wins, you know, more often. Let's look, have a look at the, the final rundown, which apologies, I'm in 20 minutes into today's extended Saturday podcast and only just getting to. Uh, of course, uh, we are talking about the win for Oscar Piastri and Max Verstappen coming second. Lando Norris uh, finishing off the not podium because it's a sprint, whatever, um, and coming third in today's motor race. Uh, George Russell, fourth, who wanted a pit, and, and he said these tyres are absolutely shot, but he would not have scored points. Uh, I mean, that's the benefit of having a team of engineers to go no no stay out you'll finish fourth followed home by his teammate Lewis Hamilton who did come through the field from going out in Q2 that was tough Science in sixth and then we have a post event penalty for Leclerc so we have Albon finishing in seventh which is brilliant for him and then Alonso did get in the points even though his tyres were majorly going off and uh, and Leclerc out of the points it's a sprint, but still. Uh, so, uh, not a great day for Lawson, who's had an amazing run in that Alpha Tauri, but went off all of his own accord. Look, it looked dirty and sandy and slippery and horrible, so you can't really blame him. He's done an amazing job. Sergeant went off all, all of his own accord. You absolutely can blame him for having a bit of a shocker. You can't really blame Perez for what happened. Uh, three into one. Uh, just didn't go. Hulkenberg uh, got back to the pits in that uh, Ocon Perez Hulkenberg crash, but uh, what caused a safety car, but also retired. Uh, Phil, what did you make generally of the sprint today? I thought it was actually a really fun race, and it's almost like this was like a mini Grand Prix in where, okay, you don't have pit stops, but you do have tire deck, and you do have offset strategies with people starting on softs and people starting on mediums and being quicker at different points in the race. So you kind of have that pit stop-like pace difference without having to do a pit stop. So he's probably the most enjoyable sprint race I've seen, uh, despite being on a track that you know you probably wouldn't predict to be very exciting. Um, I think also if you take this track in, in guitar and you put it somewhere, I don't know, let's say France, uh, where it's not dusty and it's not super hot then I don't think you'll get a great race but because of all the conditions it was really tough on the tyres and we saw people sliding you were know, speaking by Liam Lawson just sliding out on his own we've seen a lot of drivers really struggling to get to keep their cars on the road and it was just a really fun little race to watch because of the, the dynamic of who was on which tyre and which tyre was quicker at which point of the race yeah, we saw, you know, often see Max Verstappen going backwards at the start, Lando Norris as well. Uh, it was really interesting, Kev, just the, the difference in tyres from the medium to the soft, the temperatures, 
and all and different sides of the track as well because there's no one else running this weekend. It's newly resurfaced. So many variables. What do you think it's, it's taught us about what's going to happen in, in the main event, the Grand Prix tomorrow? <laughs> uh, well, I think it's sort of showed us that the McLaren is genuinely fast. I still expect Max to win. The dust obviously is a problem. I think we will see sliding around. I think what we really learned is that thank you to George Russell, Ferraris and the others that started on softs because it was ultimately the wrong decision, but it was a nice gamble that they took that made life interesting because obviously they had the pace at the start and then even as the tyres went off at the restarts, the mediums were struggling to get you know, get the, the tyres into the window. So the softs came back again. So it's kind of backwards and forwards. We saw lots of overtaking. I'm not a huge fan of having safety car periods. You know, three safety car race, uh, periods in a 19-lap race it wouldn't be my ideal, but it did help mix it up and get some get some overtaking. Um, I would just say, going back from my May onto the Perez thing, that absolutely night and day was a was a racing incident and no one should get a penalty. My only slight thing is Perez was the one that could see how that was unfolding. You know, he was the one behind. So he knew as he tried to gun it up the uh, inside that was then the following outside, he, he was the only one that knew that they were three wide. Now, he probably didn't have any more space to go. It's not like he turned in, but it was a decision he made to put himself in that position. So... It was a racing incident, but it's one that, you know, should he have gone there? Don't know. I suppose if you pull it off, you look like a hero, right? But uh, yeah, it kind of summed up his his recent recent months, really, didn't it, unfortunately? Yeah, Verstappen starts the Grand Prix from pole alongside George Russell. We've seen it's not great to be on that side of the track that isn't used too much. Lewis Hamilton third, Alonso fourth because Piastri's time deleted. If you weren't watching all the post coverage of Quali on Friday, so Piastri not second or third, but uh, is sixth, and Lando Norris, both of his quick laps in Q3 were deleted. So he starts down in 10th. 10th field. Do you think we can see those McLarens coming through the field tomorrow? As you mentioned, overtaking tough, but has today given you hope? Well, I always have hope, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> um, it will be tough on, on, on overtaking on the track, especially because the McLarens are still not the quickest in a straight line. They're not as bad as they used to be, but still not the quickest. But because of the tyre deck, there are opportunities to undercut people left, right and centre. So it'll be a question of keeping your tyres alive and really getting the strategy right. Um, it depends on what they will do with the whole tyre uh, files that we haven't really spoken about yet. Yeah. Where possibly they will mandate a free stop and uh, prevent people from doing more than 20 laps on one set of tyres. So if that happens, then we're all, yeah, it's a bit of an unknown. It's uh, definitely good for Haas because they would love a three-stop race. They even ask if it could be a four-stop race. Because that's what they'll be so doing much. anyway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but other than that, it's, it's kind of hard to tell because there are clearly teams that would have never done three-stops. So we'll see. Yeah. I imagine Hamilton and Mercedes might fancy a bit. I think McLaren's will come through. I would worry about Ferrari in this situation. I think they might be in trouble. We'll we'll see. I know they've improved on the tyre deck, but Hamilton sat there. If I was Mercedes, I would be maybe having a really awkward conversation going, George, you're on softs and you're going to screw Max's race over the fast first few laps. Lewis, you're on mediums and you're going to sit behind and keep them really nice for later in the stint. Uh, Because we know that Hamilton's good at that anyway. So I mean, the Red Bull is probably just going to be too fast. But you know, if you're if you're Mercedes, you think, wow, it's probably worth a shot, isn't it? Yeah, we didn't even talk about the tyres. What with having a world champion and a rookie winning a, a motor race today, but yeah. So with the Pirellis, what I didn't realise, I love learning these little things about 
a sport that, in fair, you know, fair enough. I talk about it week in, week out. I didn't realise that at the end of an event or a day, uh, that the Pirelli scientists cut the tyres open and stick them under microscopes just to have a look at the compound and and how the tyres holding together. And they found on multiple tyres that had done decent stint lengths. And it was the case with all of them, but not as much. So it was it was a use thing, uh, and it was on all four corners, and it was on uh, both tire walls as well, inside and out. Uh, the uh, the track has had to be slightly changed. The curbs have been blamed. Last time we were racing here, we saw front wings coming off and, and drivers hitting curbs and tires having issues with curbs in the past. I guess where we are on Saturday night with this is that there could be a maximum length that the tires are allowed to run for. Complicated issue because the drivers are told don't hit those curbs. But Kevin, it's like, you know, if you tell that to a racing driver, you have to ask because that person ever spoken or seen what racing drivers do which well, is it, to find every bit of speed of course they're gonna racing drivers will do it, it so it, i don't know what we do exactly that's you know where people say oh they're supposed to be the best drivers in the world they should be able to stay within track limits it's kind of missing the point it's like it's their job to push it to the apps just like the designers are to push it to the absolute if i can be on that line i, I need yep. to be on that line so yeah, that's what I mean, it's a shame wasn't it because lewis hamilton came out and said actually with these sorts of curbs you lose time if you go too far over them so we wouldn't have to have track limits at all and you think brilliant put them everywhere and then we don't have to have this horrible terrible track limits debate every so often and even max verstappen like they actually agreed he's like yeah actually maybe and then then almost as soon as he said that probably go oh yeah it's the curbs they're ruining the sizing ah thwarted so yeah we're so close but um yeah i mean doesn't it show you that uh, the amount of detail that they go into um and also it's a benefit of you know We've done a piece recently, James Newbody did a piece on the end of tyre wars. I think a lot of people would like to see tyre wars back in F1. It has benefits and minuses, which yeah. is probably a separate podcast. But one of the minuses would be, imagine if we were having that problem now, but only with one of the teams, one of the yeah. tyres. And they'd be having an argument about, well, well, why should we do this thing? Because we have tyres, you know, like in 2005 in Indianapolis. So having one tyre supplier does mean they can go, this is the situation. This is what we're going to do. It's the same for everyone. Get on with it. Yeah, and it's uh, it is it's not the curbs. It is it is the time that the drivers are spending on the curbs at high load and very high speed. So it's almost a perfect storm situation. So um, you know what will be done will be done to keep it safe, but it'll affect everybody, as Kev says. All right, that's we better stop there. That's a long Saturday podcast, but hey, we have a world champion. So. That's why we made it longer and had two of our best guys on the podcast today. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to have a say about anything, the thing that, any of the things that we talk about, you can email podcast at autosport.com and do check out uh, all the excellent coverage that we have on autosport.com. Uh, like the top 10 moments that won Max Verstappen, the Formula One title this year. And why Piastri says it was the safety car that he was his friend. Uh, today. Well, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.